So the bigger problem, once once the conversation happens, I think most men can keep the conversation going. But the biggest part is just starting the conversation. Where do you start? So what have your favorite pickup lines been? How do they start? Like what is what is the statement to come actually get your attention? What do you say? Yeah, we'll be partying. Exactly. We'll be partying at the old Hito week or old Swinger week with our <laughs> boobs down Years to our ankles now. and my nuts tied around my, my <laughs> leg, just so whatever, and we'll go party. Oh my god! <laughs> so welcome to this week's episode of <laughs> Girls Gone Deep, where we talk about nuts swinging around our ankles and tits, saggy titties to the ground. <laughs> And this week we have a very special guest, and you might recognize his beautiful voice from a couple of episodes ago when we talked about vanilla. We have Chet with us. Hi, Chet. Yeah, welcome, Chet. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. So excited to be on here. You guys do amazing stuff. I love your podcast. I love listening to it and processing with you. It's been amazing to listen to. So it's it's an honor to be on with you guys. Yay. Thank you. I'm really happy to have you on because Elle, when we first started putting together this podcast, she had been like, oh, I have this friend in the lifestyle and you know, told me your name, told me about you. And I was like, ooh, that can be a very interesting story. (laughs) So, I mean, we do have you on for um, a very specific reason because you have a lot of um, light to shed as a male in the lifestyle. However, I want to start kind of at the basics like we do with everybody. So how'd you find the lifestyle? How long have you been in it? Oh, it's hard to actually dictate when when you start the lifestyle sometimes. You know, our story started out as – is uh, my wife and I met uh, while serving an LDS or a Mormon mission, uh, got married shortly after. And about hmm, seven, eight years into our marriage, we were uh, walking along in Mexico and I was there with my business partners and uh, we had a free night to ourselves that night. Um, They were doing their thing. We were going to do our thing and harassing her, teasing her. I'm like, hey, what do you want to do tonight? She's like, I don't know. And I'm like, hey, you want to go to the strip club? And she's like, yeah. I want to do that. And so um, while we're still in a church, it blew my mind a little bit, but we went and experienced that. And and she told me after that experience that she was always interested in, in uh, connecting sexually with women and always had a desire to do that. And that was kind of her first time exploring that side. So after that, the wheels came off, like <laughs> anything and everything was, was kind of what we were looking for. We looked at moving to Texas and instead of a strip club, D found a lifestyle club and she's like, Hey, you want to go try it out? And I'm like, yeah, I'd love to. And we were there, we saw this three girl train and she's like, yeah, we're moving here and we're doing this. And so that was, (laughs) that was kind of the beginning of the end about eight years ago. That's awesome. Wait, so Mormon. So you guys were Mormon. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Because obviously we all know book of Mormon, the Broadway show and like, you know, I don't, but I don't know what life is in the Mormon church, like in the real world, essentially. Mm -hmm. I agree. I'm the same way. I don't know all the details. Well, it's, it's your basic Christianity with some flares of Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon. But I I think the bigger piece that a lot of people connect with us on is, is the religious 
shame or the religious guilt about sexuality, right? Mm-hmm. To the point to where Dee and I were uh, virgins when we got married, right? So never had sex before. Of course, we were a little promiscuous, but never had sex. But then you then you all of a sudden get married and then it's okay. And she had a hard time just getting over that guilt and that shame of sex. And so it was hard for us for a long time. So coming into the lifestyle and being part of this has been amazing because it's it's a lot easier to shed, right? It, it takes a while, but you learn how to shed the guilt and the shame of sexuality. And, and it's just, it, it's an amazing process to go through. Can you uh, can you go into something that you had mentioned to me before, which was when you were in the Mormon Church, you had to go to sex classes. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. So uh, when we were first married, uh, I looked at porn, and that was a very big no-no. And um, you can't be a good card-carrying member of the church doing that. And so. Um, I had a drive, I had a sexual desire and, and our sex was struggling just because of the newness and all that type of stuff. And so that was my outlet and, uh, the guilt and the shame can't come along with that. And, and you want to purge your sins because of all of that. And you go confess and you go to classes and you learn how to, to bridle your passions about, uh, your sexual desires and, and all of that. And man, I tell you what, that was a long couple of years of my life. So that was while you were married and did you kind of like turn yourself in? Like you went and looked at porn (laughs) and then you were like, I need to purge myself. So you then went in? Well, to be completely fair, uh, it was more around D catching me and telling me I needed to repent, but it's, which is, which is hilarious now because now we'll sit and watch porn and fuck together. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that's amazing. Well, because you're like indoctrinated. So you Mm. said you were promiscuous before you got married, but never actually had penetrative sex. So like, what did that look like? What did your early sexual experiences look like? Oh, a lot of heavy petting, right? You'll hear you'll hear stories. Everybody asks me when they hear I'm Mormon is, hey, is soaking a real thing? Is that real? I don't know what yeah, that what is. is. that? Yeah, what is no? that? Oh, no? Oh, you guys are the first. So soaking is the idea that, that sex is a verb, right? It's an action. So it's in and out penetration. So if, if you're soaking, you just put it in and you sit there. And then that's not sex. So if you're on the bed and then your friends jump on the bed and you just happen to move, then it's not actual sex. Oh so. My God. <laughs> Wait, so you did penetrate, but no, no, move? no. I never did the soaking thing. Let's let's put that out there. I, yeah. I that was that was never me. I could justify a lot of my sexual activities, but I never went that far. Yeah. Okay. So you had had you done. Um, you know, like, had you received a blowjob? Had yes, you given yes. lots of oral? oral yeah, mm-hmm. f- hands, heavy petting, touching, all that type of stuff. And was that is that looked down on in the Mormon oh, yes. church? Okay. Yes, Ma- masturbation in itself is looked down on. Like you should not masturbate. So, growing up, every time that you had sexual desires and touched yourself, the shame that came along with that, right? That's hard for a lot of people to manage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so after you were Mormon and you got married and you decided to do the lifestyle, what was the time frame from when all this kind of happened to development into the lifestyle? Got married in uh, what year? Two thousand. And we started Lifestyle Stuff 2008. 
so six years and then um yeah we started the doing the strip club thing for a couple of years and then the lifestyle two years after that and then we didn't leave the church until after we moved to texas so we did all the strip clubs and all of that before we left the church and then we left the church and then really the lifestyle just came into play so that's a big uh, step from let's go to a strip club to let's go to a lifestyle event <laughs> or party or whatever. What did that first event look like for you guys? And did you play with others? Were you just like deer in headlights? I don't think we played with each other. I mean, the sexual energy that we left that place with was amazing. I mean, we would talk about it and fuck and play and get turned on just by the thoughts for weeks after that, right? It was it was an exciting time to be able to explore sexuality and 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 not feel so much guilt and shame because we were doing it together. But we were slow movers. Like it took us six years in the lifestyle before we started full swapping. So mm. we'd soft swap for yeah, five or six years. And then it took us another couple of years. And just recently, this last year, we started dating separately. So, I mean, we're way into this and really, really slow movers and very cautious because of, I, I really think a lot of our, our trauma being raised with, with all the, the religious guilt and shame of, of sexuality. Now, would you say now having gone through these experiences and the lifestyle, do you still have any episodes where you still feel any shame or guilt? I don't think I don't think the shame and the guilt is there, but I still have a lot of monogamous thinking um, mm. that I struggle with um, because of that. I feel like, but I don't know if that's any true or less true for people that weren't raised religiously. Does anything come to mind when you say monogamous thinking? Because that's an interesting um, term to use. Yeah, just just things like having D fall in love with another guy means she loves me less, or mm. still have hard time thinking that hey, she's she's going to leave me for somebody else, or you know any of that. I think that's typical. The typical fears I think most people feel in this space. Mm -hmm. That is very interesting that you say that. I was actually speaking to my mother this weekend um, because she she's always you know just concerned about me and my lifestyle in a loving way, mostly because I get strep throat every time I go to a lifestyle <laughs> event. <laughs> She's like, V, you're gonna like, you know, need a tonsillectomy because you make out with too many people. <laughs> oh my God. Worth it. It's worth it, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, this last round has been real rough, but uh, yes, it was worth it. Okay. <laughs> but um. No, she said, what about when Jay goes and is with other people? Aren't you afraid he's going to leave you? And I was like, well, mother, you listened to episodes one and two, ENM and my reasons for doing it. And, you know, I truly believe, and you're right, I need to kind of like remind myself of this because it's not my first line of thinking. I truly believe that if you are monogamous, you know, there's just as many chances for someone to cheat, leave you, find that they love someone else. Um, they just do it, you know, without you knowing about it. Maybe if they're, you know, going on dates, they the percentage or like availability to them is higher. However, I think it can happen both in a monogamous relationship or not. Um, yeah. And so I was trying to explain that to her. I was like, mom, like, look at me and my 
marriage. Like I was in a monogamous marriage and I fucking cheated. So, and I decided that I didn't love him anymore in that way of life. And I wasn't quote unquote allowed to go and have sex with other people. So it can happen in any type of relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What I've, what I've really enjoyed about the lifestyle is, you know, the, the first eight years of our marriage was a lot of hiding, right? My sexual desires, my sexual needs. We didn't have conversations. It was self-gratification. And and the lifestyle has told us how to have conversations. It's taught us structure of how to overcome fears, talk through desires, negotiate boundaries to help each other get what they want, right? That if, if anything, what the lifestyle has taught us is how to communicate better. And I, I can't tell you how many times in the work world, uh, D comes with me, right? We're, we're out, we're hosting people late night, drinking, and, and we are around a lot of people who are traveling a lot, late nights drinking, and they're, they're off cheating on their spouses with the people that are in that, in that same environment. And, and I get questions all the time, like, how do you and D do it? You guys look solid. Like when we go out to the strip club, D comes with us and all the guys are just amazed that, that I have a wife that will do that. So it's, it's fairly well known in my industry that, that we have a different marriage and lots of rumors, but they're not quite sure what it is most of the time. Can I ask what you do? Are you comfortable sharing that? Yeah, I'm in sales. And so you're responsible for taking a lot of clients out and stuff? Yeah, whining and dining people and telling them why they should do business with us. Ugh, what a tough person. job you have. Oh, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> so hard. So being, so being in the lifestyle, you talked about how it's helped your relationship with your partner and how the communication has developed. And 100% agree with you there. What has being in the lifestyle taught you about yourself? What are some things that you've had to work through? Yeah, this is this is probably the the biggest growth is um, I got to a point most of the time I just hated being by myself. Even when I travel, I'd go into a hotel room and I would turn on the TV just so there was something there. And what I've really had to learn over the last couple of years is is to learn to build a relationship with myself. Um, I, I was you know, born and raised with the the attitude of I'll never be good enough. You're not good enough. And so I really hated being with myself. And then over the last couple of years, I realized I'm pretty fucking cool. Like it's, <laughs> I have a great life. I do a lot of fun things and it's okay to be by myself and I'll be okay by myself if I ever get to that point. Right. If, if there is a situation where, where D and I no longer work or our relationships no longer work for one reason or another, that, that I'm okay and that, that life will continue to exist because I enjoy being by myself. That is beautiful. <laughs> Thank yeah, you for definitely. that. Answer. Yeah, seriously. But that also what I realized being in the lifestyle too, is when you, uh, when you find yourself, you're better with your partner too. And then 100%. you're growing, you're growing together because you guys are sharing. I mean, she's learning a lot of stuff too, right? So you're sharing in these new vulnerabilities together. And that is where, I have felt my magic in my relationship has been is, is pushing boundaries together and growing yeah. together. Yeah. I, I agree that, that the best relationships are people that are um, fairly well put together independently and, and they have their, their shit put together and then, then together as a couple, they're, they're that just that much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As I was listening to you say that, I was like, why is it that, it seems like the people that I know in the lifestyle 
are more focused on also their relationship with themselves. It's almost like we have like three pockets of relation in very intimate relationships. It's like our partner, if you have one, if you're coupled up, yourself, and then your other partners, right? However mm-hmm. many you might have. And I do find on the whole that my monogamous friends don't have as big of a an emphasis on their relationship with themselves as the people that I know in the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's because we have to communicate so much that like we really are constantly therapizing ourselves or like I don't know, what do you think that is? And do you agree? Yeah, I think that that's definitely the case is I think that people in a monogamous lifestyle are constantly feeling as if they're living in a certain way because that's how they're supposed to do it. This is what society has taught them. This is what they're trained to do. So they're not living in their truth, so to speak, or they don't even know what they want. Have they even explored what they want? Are they just cheaply going along with what life is supposed to be? You're supposed to get married. You're supposed to have kids. You're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do that. That they don't really truly be vulnerable with themselves and their partner to discover these different sides of themselves and what really truly brings them joy and happiness. And that's not to say that that's everybody, but I find that you're constantly thinking about what other people think and you want to fit and be and belong into this cultural society of how we should be living. Mm. So basically there is an issue with them being maybe possibly as vulnerable with themselves as, and with others. Yeah, Yeah. I I agree. I, I think people in the lifestyle also, have this tendency to just live life more, right? They push, they push all the boundaries, right? They mm-hmm. love to just experience and be part of anything. And when you do new stuff, you have to learn, you have to be conscious because there's no habits formed to do that new thing. So you have to think a little bit more logically through what you're doing. And every time you learn something new, you fall down, you skin your knee, you make bad choices, you, it hurts. And then you have to really internalize and think through it. Like I was talking with a good friend of mine who who's vanilla lives in the vanilla world monogamous world and she went through a major heartbreak and and through discussion it really is heartbreak allows you to reassess your life and decide what's important to you and it just internalizes you a little more and there's a lot of heartbreak in the lifestyle at least there is for me i'm much more of an emotional person i love emotional connections and attachments and when those attachments leave it hurts and and it just forces you to think about that a little bit more Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most of my biggest growth moments, um, both in the lifestyle and outside of it have been with heartbreak and I've gotten my heart broken so many times. Oof. Oof. I mean, when, there's a saying out there that the light that comes through the cracks, that's where the gold is. I forget what the saying is, right? But you know what I'm going with it. And that's the beauty. That's the vulnerability. That's the adversity. That's the growth. Mm. If you don't challenge yourself or if you're not shown, I don't want to say the bottom, but you're not going to change. You're not going to grow. You're not going to learn. You have to see the hardships that's going to make you do something different, to make you try something different, to grow from it. And choosing this lifestyle does have so many challenges with it. And 
opportunities for growth. So the other thing that's amazing though is is other couples are very open about their relationship dynamics, right? That's one thing that I love mm. hearing about from the other couples is sitting down and talking to them. Hey, what works for you? What what excites you? How do you guys do life? You know, what's fun? What are your pain points? How do you overcome them? What's been your experience? I, I mean, we had an amazing, we called them our swinger senseis that that kind of grabbed us early on in our journey. And they walked us when we when we were fighting about whatever it was, our insecurities and fears, right? They gave us the template or the talking points or the talk track, how to talk through that together. So learning from other couples and just the vulnerability. I mean, look what you guys do, right? You've shared so much with the world through your podcast that I've learned a shit ton. And I know other people have too, that just makes our world better, right? Mm -hmm. we, we, we pull from that and live our lives according to what we learned from you guys. Yeah. So actually on that note, thank you for that. Um, how did you and D actually, I don't know, what were your resources in the beginning of opening up your relationship? Because you come from a Mormon background, you get married at what age? I was 21. She was 18. So you were very young. Um, kids so you early. Don't, yeah. yeah. Oh, how old are your kids? Uh, I have an 18, 17, and 14-year-old. Wow. Oh, my God. I don't think I knew that you were a dad. That's really cool. Yeah. So how do you develop the tools to – so it sounds like you guys had some mentors. Um, did you yes. listen to podcasts? Did you read books? What did you do? We did We did mostly books, like Ethical Slut and well, – Put me mm -hmm. on the spot. I got to think of it. Um, Reading that one right secure. now. Yes. Like, there's there's a lot of them out there that we read. But what what I don't think any of them teach you, they, they talk about um, lifestyle and non-monogamous thinking and how to work through that. But one, one thing they don't teach you or there's not a lot of resources out there is how to navigate the lifestyle, how to interact with people, how to ask the right questions, how to behave and what the experience is going to be like. And you know, all those types of things. I think you probably have to go to podcasts more for that because I don't think there's mm -hmm. a lot of books out there that talk about the, the subtle structure of the way the society and the culture works. Mm. Yeah, you're totally right on that. And I, it, and it's, it's hard because living in a monogamous lifestyle, you only get to court one person at a time. So you're getting so much less experience where when in this relationship in the swinger world, right, we're exposed to so many different people and so many different relationships all at the same time. Um, but I agree with you that this podcast is exactly why we started it is because we want to share what happens in between. Every other podcast talks about sexy experiences and the problems with society and all of that. We're going, no, what did you feel? What triggered you? Why did you get triggered yeah. by that? And how did you, you know? overcome it? Yeah. yeah. What did you learn? Yeah. How did you overcome it? Right? So, I mean, I think that's a great um, segue into what we really want to you know, help people with here <laughs> um, because yeah. we pulled a lot of our friends on, you know, I think particularly for men, it's hard to approach women in the lifestyle because uh, let me back up. I find that a lot of people who are not in the lifestyle or are new to the lifestyle, they're like, oh yeah, it's great. Like you just get to go and like fuck people. And it's like, you know, there's a lot that happens in between 
getting to the party and actually fucking someone. Like <laughs> it, it's hard to hit on people. You know, all of us women, whether you're monogamous and listening to this, curious, or you're in the lifestyle, we've all experienced, you know, men who we find to be creepy, men who we find too aggressive, or like even the men who were like, oh, that's a new approach. And I think I'm into this. So we wanted to mm-hmm. help men with this. Yeah. I mean, and women too. I think this is a two-way mm. conversation. Like what could we be doing better as women? Um, totally. And, and here's the thing, like, you know, when I observe our friends in the lifestyle now, and I, I did pull a lot of women about this, is that women are saying that they were submissive before and now they're being more forward. They're going and getting what they want. And when you think about society and the cultural norms, women are so, are like the movies that are out there, think of Fifty Shades of Grey, the women are the submissive ones. They're the quiet ones. You have to wait for the men to be the hunters and the men are supposed to prowl. And I'm finding that it's the opposite in the lifestyle. I feel like the men kind of take a little bit of a a backseat a little bit. And now the women are coming forward and being more aggressive. And so I polled a lot of women and that's been like the consensus is, hell yeah, I've been more direct. And it's not... The reasons for them being more direct are, they're various. One person said, it's because I'm more confident now. I know what I like. I know what I don't like. So now I'm not afraid to say it, or I'm, I'm more honest with that. And other people are saying, well, it's because I'm realizing that men aren't as aggressive in the lifestyle as they are in the monogamous world. So I'm feeling like I have to speak up more. So are you seeing this? Is this a pattern that you've noticed? Well, I think that's interesting that you say that, that people in the lifestyle, men in the lifestyle are less aggressive because I I completely agree. It's like a different, um, a different approach that they take and maybe chat, you can shine some light on that. I'd love to hear your take on that as a man in the lifestyle. (laughs) I I really think that that one thing I've really enjoyed about the lifestyle um, as a whole, now I'm not saying it's hundred percent this way. It's much more about the respect, right? That men respect women more, I think in the lifestyle than they do in, in standard, not a monogamous world, right? The men are very conscious about trying not to be uh, offensive, um, right? It's a very hyper-sexualized place and they're trying to be respectful to the women and their needs and their emotions, um, I think, compared to what you just see in standard society, right? Standard society talks about getting a piece of ass and, and now it's much more about, hey, we enjoyed this connection together and it's not just it's not just selfish sex, right? It's, it's hey, we're, we're creating a connection. Um, but I'll also preface, it, preface this whole conversation with the fact that, that I feel like I'm fairly unique in this space. I'm much more of a relationship. I'm much more emotional. I love a deeper connection, probably teeter more on the poly side than I do the quote unquote lifestyle. I like um, the familiar. I like the, the, the longer connections and and D, on the other hand, is a very physical person. Like she can make a connection with a, with a man in five minutes, and the next thing they, you know, you know, she's off fucking. And and not a w- lot of women are in this space are like that, and not a lot of men are in the space like what I'm doing. So I will preface I would, that. I would agree that you guys are kind of polar opposites, <laughs> but that's what balances the relationship. I feel yeah, like. what, it works. Always... It works for us. Yeah. We have our own struggles that we go through, but it does work for us. Um, I, I agree with you that the the approach is different and there is a um, 
almost so you put it in good words where we that you respect women differently because you're more sensitive to emotions of women and i think that like this goes back to when you're in the lifestyle you learn more about yourself so you have to become in touch with your own emotions and face your own shit and your own triggers and your own things that you can now become more sensitive to other people's especially women and a lot of the answers that I got from men when I was asking them about this question, what makes you hesitate being too forward with women when you're trying to transition into the sexual space? And they say, some of them said fear of rejection. And the other said not wanting to come off too forward, not being too aggressive, too pushy. And again, that and behind that statement is I respect this person and I don't want to jump right into it too quickly. I think it's also a little bit about like not being able to read the signs. And my biggest takeaway from polling our friends is like, I think we all, men and women, need to be better at just communicating very clearly. And be careful of hurting people's feelings, of course, but don't let that stop you from saying what you mean and what you feel. So what you want. Yeah. Mm. So for example, like not being able to read the signs, like a lot of our guy friends are like, I was like second guessing myself whether they actually were into me. And until I'm totally clear on whether they're into me, I'm not going to, you know, hit on them expressly. But I love when guys say like, you know, we're talking for a little bit, just like a little bit of banter. And then, so chat, if you had done this in the pool, like maybe we would have fucked at this time. (laughs) So we're talking. Yeah. Um, I missed my moment. Damn it. Wait, there's going to be a couple of tips here. So listen up people. Okay. So you're talking number one, approach a woman with interest in who she is and her mind. That has been a resounding answer from everybody. Yes. Um, Like just want to have a conversation. Don't be thirsty. Don't be approaching just chats, writing down notes. He's like, okay, (laughs) approach with actual interest in the person. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I do do have a question to that point, but we'll come back to that. Keep going. Just remind me. So yeah, like just want to have a conversation with the person. Um, don't just want to fuck because a flip side to that is someone else said to me, you know, I am sometimes skeptical that someone is just pretending to want to have a conversation with me because mm. they know that that's what I want to hear. And so they're just trying to like make me think they're interested in me so that I, so that they can get to their end goal of fucking me. But being authentic. That's very wow. interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Very so being interesting. Authentic, so, so- Oh, sorry. Let me ask. Let me ask you this question before mm-hmm. you go too far. Mm-hmm. I heard in one of your other podcasts that one of your intentions going into Hedo is you wanted to have sex with somebody <laughs> without even talking to them. So, mm-hmm. so help me understand how a guy is supposed to know mm-hmm. if you want to talk or if you just want to. Do well, that. I always like, want to talk. That that's just like a random fantasy that definitely did not get fulfilled because it's impossible to keep me quiet. So. um, But I think in a situation like that, it'll just be like, you know, you know, when someone thinks you're hot, like, 
there have been those like very clear moments in my life with like two people, like you lock eyes and you fucking know. Like, yeah, you like I you fuck each other across yes. the room. Yeah. But like, without a don't... conversation, without a conversation, they are just looking at you to fuck you. They don't know who you are. But they I... don't know your yeah. emotions. They don't know anything. So that rule number one automatically okay. just goes out the window. No, I'm going <laughs> to say 98% of the time – Come up to me with genuine interest in conversation. Yes. And then if you're talking for a little bit and you start to kind of feel flirty and like you're interested in the woman, say it. I mean, you're you're in a sexual environment, right? We're in the lifestyle. We're at Hedo. We're naked in a pool. We're at a sex party. We're at a mixer for people in the lifestyle. Like we all know what we're here for. And like, we're making a little bit of a connection. So say like, Hey, I'm really feeling this conversation and your energy. I also always respond to, um, when someone comments on my energy, (laughs) I love that. Noted. Um, and yeah, like I'm really responding to your energy. Like I would love to play no pressure, but you know, how are you feeling? And that gives me an opening, especially if they say no pressure and kind Mm -hmm. of phrase it like that to say like, um, I'm not feeling it right now, but maybe later. And then you can just continue with flirting and building up that connection so that you can either like move towards the sexual stuff, or maybe you'll both decide "Eh, not right now. So the bigger problem, once once the conversation happens, I think most men can keep the conversation going. But the biggest part is just starting the conversation. Where do you start? So what have your favorite pickup lines been? How do they start? Like what is what is the statement to come actually get your attention? What do you say? I can't think of any like out like outstanding pickup lines, but I think that most guys do start off with a compliment about something like, you know, oh, your outfit looks great. Or I saw you from across the room, that kind of thing. And it opens up, you know, Hey, how are you? Oh, my name is. And then you just kind of start talking. Where are you from? Who are you here with? Who's your other half? Yeah, it's pretty basic. And I think also, (laughs) actually on Monday, I was at a non-lifestyle bar. I ended up hooking up with someone. Mm. He approached me with just like, uh, he's British. And so he's just here for a week. And he was like, Hey, do you, do you know where I can get some stuff for my friends? And I was like, do I look like someone who would know where to get some stuff for your friends? And then, you know, the banter just continued. And then, you know, he was like, do you know any other good bars around here? Cause this one's really great, but we're not from here. So like, I love talking about travel. Who doesn't love talking about travel and like giving recommendations. So just like stuff like that. So I asked a friend about this, you know, what are some tips that you have that have, you know, flirting and icebreakers and that. And a lot of them say, well, the one gentleman said, you know, I like your costume. Damn, your feet must be killing you in those shoes, Mm. you know, just really making it just fun and flirty and relational to the moment that you're currently in um, just to kind of get that conversation started, you know. Yeah. So a friend of mine gave me this pickup line and I probably shouldn't use it on here because I really like it. (gasps) 
she told me to say, hey, I saw you across the room and I was really drawn to you. So I thought I'd come introduce myself. Oh, that is a great... That's been used on me and it definitely gets me. Yeah. That's like, I saw you across the room. You caught my eye, caught my attention. That's an energy thing, right? I was just about to say, drawn. (laughs) I almost almost threw energy in there, but I decided probably too soon. It's got to come later. Oh my God. When someone talks about your energy, it's like, oh my God, you, you, you see the person I am, like not just my looks, you know. <laughs> my other, my other favorite one at Hedo was was uh, D went up to this gentleman, uh, super amazing guy, and um, she was asking him, "Hey, how was your week?" And he says, "You know, this has been an amazing week. I've done everything I've wanted to, except for one thing: you." <laughs> I was like, "Damn!" That is. <laughs> That is okay. Yeah. I, I would be yeah. like mic drop. That's amazing. Yeah, but I'm like holy shit, that one's good. I yeah. just have to say, another resounding thing I heard from my friends, and I completely agree with it, is towing the line of aggressive and creepy versus like confident and forward has a lot to do with for better or for worse, whether I initially find you attractive. Because that line mm-hmm. out of your mouth, Chet, who I find initially attractive, <laughs> I'd be like, oh my God, this guy is fucking funny. And like, let's, let's talk some more. But if I don't find you attractive and you say that to me, like, I could either like just be like, oh, he's, he's harmless, but, oh, Mm, sorry guy or like I genuinely find it like too aggressive so it's all about delivery and like the the cadence the candor the tone of voice plays into it were they smiling when they said it to you like what was the you know everything matters in that moment too but I agree with you that if you're not into them it's not it's not cool which also comes down to that's okay like we all need to normalize if someone's not into you, that's okay. There are so many other people who will be. Like right. there there truly are so many other fish in the sea and there's, you know, a lock for every key and there's a blah, blah, blah. All those, you know, sayings are there because it's true. And just because one person is not into you, it doesn't mean you're unlovable or not sexy. Yeah, I just want to normalize that. that. Yeah. I- I love the psychology of connection. And, and what I find is um, I, I asked women, hey, how do you know if you're into somebody? And they use the words like, hey, if they have our same style, if we're vibing. And I'm like, give me details. What does vibing and style mean? And really, it comes down to, I think, a couple different things. One, they said, hey, can they make me laugh? They love mm-hmm. to laugh, right? Can, can you be funny and witty and, and have good conversation? Number two, can you show emotional depth, right? Women, women are much more emotional creatures. Do mm-hmm. they show emotional depth? And the fact that, hey, they, they're okay being a little bit vulnerable. They're confident in themselves. They know their boundaries. Um, they also talked about how um, do, they, do they know their boundaries with their spouse, right? Is, is, is this environment going to be a crazy, wild, somebody's going to be screaming and yelling at somebody at the end of this? Or is this a, hey, everybody feels good and we're moving on, right? So, so it feels like the conversation is, is, hey, are we connecting from a, do we have the same interests? Are we talking about the same thing that, in, that you know, is exciting to talk about? Do they have emotional depth? 
and, and and do our boundaries align, right? I can't tell you the amount of women that I connect with um, and, and D doesn't connect with the husband. So, right, for a long time, and that's why we started dating separately, was – I really had a great connection. She didn't with the guy or she did with the guy and I didn't with the woman. And so we just didn't connect with that couple and it made, it was really, really difficult. So there's more than just one aspect to this and everybody has to take that into consideration, right? There's, there's connections that can happen, but it may not turn sexually because there's just too many other aspects involved. Yeah, that's a really good point that sometimes a no in any connection is not because the sexual connection is not there. It's because of the dynamics of that relationship mm-hmm. that make it a no. And that's hard to digest sometimes uh, to accept that in other couples. The other the, the question I have for you is I think I think sometimes being non-monogamous with our primary partners is a lot easier than being non-monogamous with secondary partners. I found myself a couple times in Hito um, in a scenario where I had equal interest in multiple women in the group, right? And just for one reason or another, I found myself talking to one and giving myself more attention to one than the other. And there's a lot of times where that comes back and hurts you because the woman that you're interested in looks at you and says, huh, he obviously doesn't have that much interest in me. And so the connection falls apart. Have you guys ever found yourself with that thought process? I would say yes. It happened to me in, uh, at this trip where I had a connection with somebody and then was still very much interested in them, but was dividing my time amongst everybody else. And then that connection truly did fall apart up until the very end and never never really picked back up. So yes, I would I have had that happen to me before. What about you, V? You're thinking about it. Yeah, I think it falls back into the... Um the category of what I was saying before is we all need to be better at communicating. And so if that like secondary partner B, let's say, who doesn't feel like they're getting enough um, attention from you feels that way, say something and say like, Hey, chat. um, I just wanted to pull you aside because like just for a second, because I, I don't know. Am I reading this wrong? Like, I I really would love to have a little bit of um, time with you. I mean, how would you have responded to that? I assume I positively. I would have loved it. I would have. Yeah. My my response to that would be, look, I really want to spend more time with you. There are some people I'm connecting with right now, but we can schedule some time. Or hey, let's go do something after this. Right? Whatever. I think mm-hmm. I think that communication would be amazing. It has been a couple times where I've been at a party and um, somebody approaches me, somebody I'm interested in. I don't have it's it's a newer relationship, so I don't have the deeper connection. I'm much more. I need the deeper connection in order to take it take it sexual, a little demisexual aspect to it. But you know, somebody would come up to me and and would really right offer hey let's go play or let's do this and and at that moment i was really trying to focus my attention on somebody i haven't seen in a long time or wanted to connect with on a deeper level and i knew if i went and did that i wouldn't get that opportunity so i wasn't ready to do that not that i'm not interested in her mm-hmm. it just wasn't the right time and so my communication was hey look i'm really interested in you i think we have a great connection i think you're super sexy i love how we connect i would really like to explore that tonight is probably not the best night because I'm already connecting with somebody and already kind of have plans to go that direction. But hey, let's change phone numbers. Let's do whatever. And let's let's explore this later. How would that be taken? 
for I you love guys. it. Oh, amazing. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like I've gotten something like that before and I've also delivered something like that before. So mm-hmm. Elle and I were actually on an email chain with um, one of our friends and you know he brought up a situation with me. Uh, he said, so the very first time we hooked up, the very first time I met him, um, I gave him head and then he said like, hey, do you want to you know, fuck, do you want to hop on? I think were his exact words. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great <laughs> line. I'll use that one. You want to hop on? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, something in my mind was like, no, I don't. I don't want to. Um, because it truly was the very first time I had met him. And I said, no, not right now. And I forgot the specifics of how I turned him down, but he reminded us of them in this conversation. And he said uh, that I said, I need a little bit more of an emotional connection with someone um, in order to you know, have penetrative sex. It's not a no, but for right now, I I don't want to. And he said he completely respected that and is still working on it. So like, I love that. And I was like, I'm, I'm so glad that you didn't take it as like a blanket no, because it most certainly was not. And I, mm-hmm. you know, want to give myself a pat on the back for being clear and, you know, I, I was respectful of his feelings, but also, you know, respectful of my own boundaries in that moment. And I think we all just need to say what we're feeling and yeah. then take it as adults. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Be, be an adult. Like he did. So, uh, we, realized halfway through editing that this is a long conversation. Um, Super long. (laughs) Because it is so good and so needed. And Chet is such a beautiful soul that we love, you know, really picking the brain of. And we felt that it would better serve everybody to kind of cut this into two halves. So stay tuned for that. We really think it's a valuable conversation. So um, we realize that we're not the only podcast that everybody listens to. So two hours is probably a little long to commit to every week. So we'll, we'll be on a cliffhanger here. (laughs) Yeah. So thanks for tuning in, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We do have one quick announcement to share with you is that we are now moving our episode releases to Thursdays. So to our avid listeners, we've got a lot of messages. Where's the episode? Why haven't you released yet? We've moved our day officially to Thursdays every single week. So thank you for our loyal listeners. Um, And then also, please join in on this conversation, guys. We want to hear from you. There's so much good stuff to be shared and experiences. So Email us at girlsgonedeep at gmail.com. You'll also find us on Instagram at girlsgonedeeppodcast. Uh, we do lots of polls, so please chime in, share your insight. And thank you to our sponsors. So Horrible Life, W-H-L-R-E-I-B-L-E, horriblelife.com. Grab your hands on this sexy card game of Have You Ever All Things Sex and Kink. You'll get 10% off your first deck with code GONEDEEP. So I'm L. And I'm V. We'll see you next week. Yeah.